Welcome to episode 70 of the BTB podcast. Today's special guest is Samantha Wills. If you're our age, you'll remember her as one of Australia's leading and most well-known jewelry designers. Samantha's rise into the spotlight began in 2004 when she was 21 years old. She launched Samantha Wills Jewelry from the dining table of her share flat, not realizing at the time that she was building what was to become one of Australia's most known accessories brand. She is so passionate about sharing her insights into modern and creative entrepreneurship and her desire to nurture and educate and support emerging founders and entrepreneurs saw her create what is now called the Samantha Wills Foundation, which started in 2016. It's a beautiful platform that's designed to empower women in business. As a celebrated entrepreneur, Samantha was inducted into the Her Business Hall of Fame in 2017, the same year she was a finalist for the InStyle magazine Woman of Style Awards in the Entrepreneur category. In 2016, Samantha was nominated for Australian of the Year for her work with women in business and has been featured in Forbes, the Australian Business Review, Yahoo Finance, Young Investors, and was named a breakout star by the New York Times. Samantha is a natural-born storyteller and she is an incredible speaker and industry expert in the branding and creative space. And her message is so relatable. This episode is all about her journey as an entrepreneur starting back in 2004 and what that business journey looked like for her and how she's evolved and morphed into the woman that she is today. We also talk about her recent book, which was released earlier in 2021, a business memoir titled Of Golden Dust, which talks a lot about her professional experience and a lot of her personal story with the rise of Samantha Wills Jewelry. Speaking of, she has so beautifully gifted all of our BTB listeners a $20 gift voucher to use on checkout when you purchase her book. So please make sure you go to the show notes, grab that code and definitely get her book. It is such an inspiring story that really leaves you feeling like you have absolutely got what it takes to create your dream business and life that revolves around what you are truly passionate about. So without further ado, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome, Samantha Wills. What if we could show you how to create an additional income stream that feels inspiring to you and leverages not only of your passions, but your zone of genius? Head over to babesinbusiness.net forward slash side hustle to download our free side hustle guide a 40-page guide where we help you not only come up with your business idea, but help you set your rate, find your potential customers, help make your first few sales, come up with your point of difference, and ensure you have a profitable business that you can scale to create a life and career by design. Babes Talking Business, our podcast, is the sister brand to Babes in Business. It's our passion project geared towards female entrepreneurs, professional women, side hustlers, those with a day job and those full-time mamas striving to build their empire on the side, whether it's a traditional or non-traditional business, investments, startup, companies, or online social media influence. Our podcast is a safe place where women can be vulnerable, honest, and tune in to be educated and supported to learn about the ins and outs of business, the highs and lows, and feel comfortable to talk about finances and multiple streams of income, along with the lingo that often comes with it that intimidates and prevents a lot of us women from approaching these subjects altogether. 
We not only mentor and encourage fellow entrepreneurs tuning in to build their own successful businesses, but teach them how to build confidence in themselves, reconnect with their why, let go of jealousy, and ultimately learn the power in connection because at the end of the day, that is what life and business is all about. This is a no BS podcast where we are committed to showing you what really happens behind the scenes of businesses' pretty highlight reels so you can be reassured you are not the only one in the trenches and we can hopefully empower you with ideas on how to run your life and business in a way that feels energizing, inspiring and authentic to you and your mission. We are your hosts, I'm Shani Thompson, and one of my biggest passions and missions in life is to revolutionize the way that women create abundance, to show you you can really have it all and create your next level, wildest dreams whilst being in a total state of ease and flow. I'm a blogger, a coach and mentor to thousands of women around the world, a professional network marketer, a course creator and above all, I'm just your everyday girl next door. And I am Lauren Kerr. I'm a published author, life and mindset coach, and professional network marketer. When I was studying my psychology degree, I stumbled across the term life above zero, which became my personal and professional mission to inspire others to create a life that they love instead of just settling for mediocrity and just doing what society expects you to do. I love helping women find clarity and fulfillment in their lives, relationships, and careers. So... On that note, let's talk business. Yes, I am so excited for today's episode. Today we have Samantha Wills on the show. Welcome, Samantha. Hi, guys. Thank you so much. So excited to have you. And I was just saying before we press record, I actually read your book earlier this year, which is Of Golden Dust, a memoir of a creative life. And it's what inspired me to reach out to you because obviously we work in the business space and something we're really passionate about is empowering women in business and wealth creation, but to just really shine light on what life looks like behind the highlight reels of social media. And your book was one of the first books I've read that just felt so authentic in sharing what the first few years of business look like and the face down moments and the self-doubt and all the setbacks. Um, So for maybe people who don't know your story, would you love to share how did you stumble across business like did you always want to have your own business or what started you what inspired you to create your own brand I think even you know I'm an only child and when I look back at like my really young years I remember pulling all the food out of the pantry in the kitchen and trying to sell it back to my mum so I think there was always like some hustler of, of entrepreneurialism in there my parents always had their own small businesses but I don't know business wasn't something that came naturally to me by any means I think when I started Samantha Wills Jewelry you know my love and still today my love and passion is the creative and the storytelling and the you know the brand side of of that you know I'm very adamant now that you know to the heart space and the head space to meet and for wealth creation you, you need both sides of that so yeah for me trying to navigate business was it was almost opportunistic like I, I found that you know I was put, pouring so much into this brand and the brand profile started to build but I just did not have the business profile um, to support that so you know three years into my journey as a solopreneur I then uh, brought in a business partner 
which I talk about a lot in the book. And, you know, I'm very, very right brain and creative. He's very left brain and business. And the two of us together um, really complemented each other to go on to have a very commercially creative, successful business. And I think, you know, there's so many entrepreneurs, especially in Australia, there's so many creative entrepreneurs that, and I feel like there's a real lack of kind of that business structure support. So getting a hold of that and it's 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 daunting right like it's, it's really hard if you're naturally in the right brain so yeah for me it was um, you know a 15-year journey that we then went on to have and it was by all accounts I guess a successful one so yeah just a, just a little bit successful <laughs> you know what I remember like being in my early 20s saving my money to buy the next beautiful Samantha Wills jewelry so it's actually such a it's such a pinch me moment right now being able to talk to you now as an adult in business myself and talking to you about your business journey because yeah I just remember those times as a broke uni student <laughs> needing to save for the next ring but I want to talk a little bit into that as well I mean, I remember reading all about your journey in the beginning, like getting up at crazy hours of the morning to go and sell your jewelry at the Sydney markets and just the hustle and the grind that went behind that. And, you know, yes, 15 years on it, it was just, it still is such a beautiful brand. I know it no longer exists like the Samantha Wills brand, but everybody remember, like everyone my age anyway, remembers Samantha Wills and but no one really knows that hustle that went into it all those years ago. So maybe let's talk about that a little bit, like what it really took to get that incredible business off the ground. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's so many points along the way, right? And I think in this day and age when people are, you know, you look at entrepreneurship and I think because it is entrepreneurship, you automatically traditionally relate it with a, you know, working nine to five in that traditional kind of sense. And so you're working, you know, those early days, like I use this term very literally, like blood, sweat and tears was literal. <laughs> like it was 20 hour days. It was, my hands were bleeding. I can still feel on my hands now where the calluses are like literally my hands would bleed daily. And it, it was hard. And I think that there's this parallel between, you know, the work, the original working title of my book was public brand private life and there's this you know forward facing element that we we show up with with business and then there's the you know like the duck underwater where you're just churning away and you know I use the the concept of looking at a nine to five traditionally because along that journey a lot of people will be like you work too much or you you know you're giving it too much and I think that it's so it's almost not looked at as in you're building your dream. It's like you're working too much. And I think they're very different approaches to, to come at something. And I kind of use the analogy, whereas, you know, if, if an entrepreneur is building their dream and that it's, it's creativity that's running through their lifeblood and that's what fuels them, right? You know, an Olympic swimmer, for example, someone who's wanting to get to the Olympics and swimming, if they were up at 3 a.m. every day in the pool five times a day, training, 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 People aren't going to look at them and be like, oh, you're working too much. They'd be like, good for you for building your dream. You know, you're so dedicated. So I think there's a really different approach in how people view that hustle and, and what is required because in those early years, it near breaks you. Like I'm, I'm not going to glamorize it at all. It, it's, it requires everything. And it's, it's almost like, you know, it takes more to get from zero to 60 than 60 to 100 because it's, it's really pushing it uphill. And in all the speaking I do, I'm like, my advice is expect that it's going to be hard. Like if you can accept that first and be like, okay, I'm, I'm almost like anticipating it because it is, it's really, really hard. 
And I think that's maybe why women don't openly share it because we're too scared we're going to intimidate or put off other women for going for it or going working on their dreams. But I think it's because of that reason so many women are surprised when they're in the trenches building their businesses that it's hard and they think that they're failing or they're doing something wrong. But it's like, no, welcome to business. <laughs> this is the first few years. You've got this. So because you were 21 when you started your brand, I think, and you were starting to sell things at the market. Do you have a vision for it then or was it just something that you were passionate about? I just love, I loved it. I, I got up every day and wanted to create and, you know, and everyone's like, well, you must have loved jewellery. And I have to be really honest. Like, it wasn't jewellery that was my one true love. It was creating. And, you know, jewellery was the vehicle that allowed me to do that. But no, I, you know, I think my vision was so limited back then. And, you know, I look back at it now and I'm like, so often throughout my career, I would be like, that's the one pinpoint of success. And I'd be like, you know, I'd have such a short vision on it and I'd hold on to that so tightly. And, you know, it had to happen in the certain time frame that I expected it to and look exactly what I thought it should look like. And it took me a long time to realize to surrender that over and look around at what was presenting itself in ways of, of opportunity. So no, I, I didn't, I didn't have a very long vision, I think, to answer that question. It was very, you know, I use the analogy of a field mouse and all you can see is the blade of grass in front of you. But if there's an eagle directly above you you can see so much more and I think as entrepreneurs and as business leaders you have to you have to get to the the eagle perspective but it took me took me a long time to get there so amazing yeah it's interesting you know I, I I had a conversation this exact conversation yesterday we coach women in business and we had someone ask us like I think she's a year in into her business and she just said you know I'm tired like I don't I didn't expect it to be so hard and adding to what Loz said just before, I think this needs to be spoken about more about how it does require sacrifice, just that short-term sacrifice so that then you can reap the fruits of your labor later down the track, right? And I think there's this, I don't know, I, I feel like women are demonizing the word hustle at the moment. There's like this social media movement right now. It's like, people letting go of that but I think hustle doesn't have to be painful I I think when you're create like loving the creative process and it's everything you think about when you wake up and it's what you think about when you go to sleep and you're enjoying the process I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily and I love what you said in terms of like using jewelry as your vehicle to allow you to express that creativity I think if we shift our mindset a little bit and, and look at it that way it's so much easier to do the long hours and what it takes to make it, you know, work. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's a different day and age now than when I was starting. I realize that makes me sound like I'm a thousand years old, but I'm like, when you talk about doing business in, in the age of Instagram, you know, there is this complete compare and despair. So, you know, if you're looking at someone on Instagram and being like, you know, you're not seeing her 3am hours, you're not seeing her bleeding hands, you're not seeing, so you're comparing your reality to someone else's hologram. So it's a, it's a really dangerous you know, when we talk about framework, it's a dangerous thing to be like, oh, that that looks like the framework I should be applying to my journey, where you're like, hang on, who, that's not even a real framework, firstly, that you're looking at. And I'm like, the only framework that you can compare it to is, is your own. And that is done by how it feels to you, not by what boxes you need to be ticking because society told you you need to meet someone and do this business and have a kid by this age and do X, Y, Z. It's, it's got to be your own framework. Otherwise, you're going to perpetually feel like, you're just showing up as not enough or showing up and doesn't look like it's meant to look like, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, for sure. And so when you were starting, let's say, so you were juggling, like most people, when they start a business, you had a job and then you were getting your brand off the ground, getting some brand awareness, getting stuff to the markets. Was there a point in the early days, let's say in the first year or two where you wanted to quit? Every single day. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It was hard. And I, there was just something in me and I, I can't even, you know, and it, what it was, was an intuitive knowing, but I, at the time, you know, I knew what intuition was, but I didn't realize the calmness in that, in that steadfastness in knowing, but there was something in me that was like, no, there is, there is more. I didn't know what it was. I definitely could not see the next step forward, but I had a faith within myself that it just wasn't time to give up no matter how hard it got. You know, I got myself into $80,000 worth of debt. There was, it literally was the end of the line. Like the bank wouldn't give me any more credit cards and rightly so. I didn't know what the next navigation was, but I just knew. And I think that so we, we know what the word intuition means. We've known it since we were a kid, but we've been raised in a society that quashes anything that's not logical, anything that can't be explained, anything that can't be touched or you know black and white on a PL, but we've never been taught to celebrate just a knowing within when you know you know and you know I didn't realize it at the time but looking back then that's that's what it was for me it was just something in me that knew to keep going Hey guys, it's Shani here. I hope you're loving this episode. I am just popping in here very briefly to share something with you that I think you are going to absolutely love, in particular if you're loving this episode that is full of value and you're thinking, hmm, I need more time to implement all of these things. So in case you guys didn't know, I teach people how to create a more abundant life using the natural rhythms of the moon. Yes, that is right. I help people to moon track to cultivate happiness, purpose, and clarity in their work life and their general life whilst enjoying being in a highly effective state and in a state of flow. And if you are really vibing with that, I'd love to invite you to download my free moon tracking calendar. It is a calendar that you can save on your smartphone wallpaper. So you can see all of the different eight phases of the moon that are coming up in the next 12 months. And you can also have the option to download the wall planner instead if you prefer to frame it or you want to just pop it next to your workspace. And what I love about the planner is A, it's free, but B, it helps you to track the moon. And I teach you through email as well, how to not only harness the different energies of the eight phases of the moon, but also how to use the science behind it so that you really can expand time, in particular, cultivate some wild abundance in your business and in your life. So if that sounds amazing to you, you can download my free moon tracking calendar over on my website. It is in the show notes below. Otherwise, if you'd like to go over to it right now, it is go.shannythompson.com. That's go, G-O dot Shani, C-H-A-N-I, Thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N.com. And you'll see it there on my homepage. All right, guys, I know you are probably digging this episode, so let's get back to it. I can't wait for you to hear the rest of it. Because there's, and I wanted to tease this out because I know Shannon will totally agree with me. We have so many women in their business give up way too early because they hit, maybe they get through the first roadblock and they're like, they're holding on by a thread and like, yeah, I know I should be here. And then they get up, the waves dumped them, they get back up, the next wave comes and they're like, nah, I'm tapped out. So 
maybe when, when you were burning out, because I remember some of those early chapters in your book, you talk about the fact that you had some stuff happening in life and relationships that took you out of the game for a little bit. How did you continue to show up and lean into your intuition when you did want to quit? Um, I think it was, it was like, what's the alternative to me? Like if I finish this business today, like, you know, year two or year three or whatever it was, it's like, well, what would I be doing? And I, I, there was nothing else on the earth that I wanted to do at that time rather than create, you know, jewelry and build this brand. Like that was it. And so I was like, okay, well, there are going to be shit days and there are going to be really tough days and really long nights. And I think too, like when those waves come, it's almost like, okay, well, maybe that's not the right path maybe I need to reroute where I think I'm going or what I think it should look like like I think in that instance it's very much holding on to one singular outcome rather than kind of looking a little bit broader and being like oh okay I didn't see that it could be that way I didn't see that for me if that makes sense like allowing things to onboard that might not be as as obvious or what you thought they were going to be setting out on this journey so not being so rigid and just kind of welcoming the waves and being like, what lesson is that bringing with it? What it, what is it helping me see that maybe I wasn't I wasn't seeing before? Is there a blind spot that I wasn't open to? So just when I talk about internal intuition and kind of aligning what that feeling, that internal feeling, is with what's presenting externally. So it's not going to come in some big golden flash unicorn that's like here's the answer. But you know, answers cross our path daily. They cross our path in the form of problems they cross our path in the form of mentors or people that we meet like there's there's always something if we're looking out for what we need that crosses our path and I, I don't mean that to sound woo-woo in any sense it's more just kind of looking around rather than looking straight at this pinpoint of what we think the next step is it could be it could be unfolding around us so powerful and women we have this intuition hey and like you said it's like society tells us to suppress it but it's our superpower it's there for a reason yeah and it's it's everyone's got it like I, I I would hate to people think oh I you know I wish mine was strong I was like no everyone's got it it's just and everyone can hear it and feel it that's not the hard bit the hard bit is trusting it because you know when you're like oh you know I knew that why didn't I do that it's it's going back a step and being like trust that knowing you know one of the things that I feel a lot of women I work alongside what they sort of are challenged with or maybe not challenged with but it's kind of daunting is that moment in business when like the wheels are in motion and yes it's starting to work and you're in that like awkward phase like you know like a teenage phase where your business is it has so much potential to scale but you don't have the skill set or the resources or the the people or connections around you to really allow that business to flourish into what it could potentially be what was that like for you when you obviously had a business partner come in and and then as cement the wheels grew it was like okay I need a team of people and I, I, I can't be making jewelry by hand anymore by myself like I need people here so I want to talk about that growth and that scale and and what that looked like for you and I think it'll be relevant for anyone in business in whatever industry they're in because I feel that's where a lot of people get stuck these days they don't trust the process that investing in some Someone or something to help them scale is what they need because it's scary but what are your thoughts on that? I think you know for so long and I grew up in a very blue collar upbringing so around you know a lot of very hard-working incredible people and so in my psyche it's like every time I spend money in the business I'm spending money I'm not investing it 
So for example, I would, I was like, well, I can't hire anyone. I can't afford to hire anyone or I can't afford to hire, you know, an assistant. And rather than being like, hang on, that might free up my time to be able to, you know, that's an investment in the business because it then allows me to do X, Y, and Z. So I think at whatever level, you know, especially in that growth phase, there is a lot of fear and a lot of fear around, well, what if I make this decision and it, you know, it cripples the business and that type of element. I think for us, one of the biggest ones was taking, because I, you know, as you said, handmade all the jewellery, taking that to bigger scale production was probably the biggest growth spurt, I guess, in in terms of of this topic. Um, And what I did was we moved it offshore. I wanted to move it offshore. Um, The capabilities of what I wanted to do wasn't available within Australia. And so it was kind of doing it in steps. Like when you talk about offshore production, for example, the minimums obviously get get quite high. Um, for jewellery, it's about 240 per style per colour. Some factories were allowing us to do 120. So I'm like, okay, so I need to just be smarter in my design in this instance because I was like, I can't afford to, you know, take a collection of 50 pieces and get 120 pieces made of each piece because that was back then so I'd be like okay I'm going to do all the bangles are going to have the same base for example so I'd go and get all those made it's a you know saving money on getting that bulk production done then that would get shipped in then I'd alter the the pendants or whatever that were on them so kind of doing it in steps like that um, allowed cash flow to kind of be a little bit more freer to be able to do that it also took a lot of time for me not have to sit at that design desk hand making everything and kind of building up but I think that there's always there's always going to be a lag between your, you know, demand and infrastructure. And that's where you kind of have to just take a deep breath and be like, all right, I'm going to take that next step and then, you know, work really hard to get the demand back up. So there's always, it's never, ever going to be perfect. So I think if we're waiting for this perfect time to scale our business and and take that step, it's, it's not going to happen. But I think there are ways to not throw, you know, your entire cash flow, not tie your entire cash flow up in it and take little steps. I think it's also not in our nature to delegate naturally. Like I know for me, like I'm what was such a control freak. I was, and I, I just always thought, oh, I can just do that in five seconds. I can just do that in five minutes. I'd, I'd rather do it, right? And I think such It'll a big part. Is that for like five days? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. But I think that's where we've got to relinquish that control as well and just just embrace the delegation and yeah and and investing in your business to free up some more time such a biggie and I think so like if you just hold everything so close to your chest it's only ever going to be as big as you like for so often and and different times throughout my career journey I did that at different points and it's like you got to get out of your own way at some point and no one holds the standard that you hold. So being like, well, I'm the only one that can do it that way. It's like, it's, it's kind of actually really obnoxious to think that, you know, people, yes, you probably are the best at doing it, but it's like, if that's where you want to spend your entire time for the rest of your business life, then, then that's the decision between that and, and getting someone else to help. There's so many decisions that you make along the journey where they're just leaps of faith, really. And I'm reflecting on my journey and there's so many times that I, you do, you doubt yourself. So I'm just curious in your journey when you did have to make big decisions and you weren't sure did you have periods of self-doubt come up and did you have certain resources mentors how did you get through it or what advice would you give to other business owners who may be having yeah periods of uncertainty or just not trusting that they can lead their business yes I definitely had periods of doubt I still do imposter syndrome is probably my closest friend that sits close to me all the time you know I as I talk about my business partner and I give huge amount of credit to the commercial success we experienced because of him and I you know 
and I'm not saying that everyone should go out and get a business partner by any means, but I think, you know, asking for help is such a basic thing that we don't do. It's kind of like the delegating thing. We're like, oh, if we ask for help, especially in smaller communities, if I ask for help, everyone will know my weakness. Everyone will know, you know, that I'm, it's, it's you know, Instagram looks one way, but then, you know, they'll know that I'm I'm really not coping on, on another level. But I think that people want to help fundamentally, like people want to help us. So I think telling our communities what we need, if you're looking for a business partner if you're looking for expansion if you're looking for advice like just tell people what you need and I guarantee it finds a way to greet you whether it's someone that knows someone that knows someone but if we're just kind of putting these you know do not disturb signs up then no one's going to be able to know what we need or how they can help so um that's sounds like very basic advice but yeah I would be like just tell tell people what you need and you'll know when it crosses your path when the right the right ingredient of what you need crosses your path that's been one of my biggest, I think, lessons in business too, is just you don't realize, especially in the business space, most people are really forthcoming and helpful because they are in business themselves and they get it. And they're like, what can I do to help? And that's why I like, love podcasts these days. You can find a podcast on anything. I know you'd probably say there hasn't been any mistakes in your journey because otherwise you wouldn't be where you are now. But reflecting on your 15 years in business, what would you say has been your biggest lesson that maybe you'd love to pass on to any other business owners or people wanting to start a business? I think in, if I look back to the very start, the biggest thing I regret not doing was getting a bookkeeper in early. That's what I would have done first up. I think, you know, I never should have been playing around in the books of my business. And I think as a creative, it's something we're just like, oh, it's, you know, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. Then we don't get to it. And if the accounting's not run properly, we don't have any visibility or transparency on, you know, what we can do with the money to create. So first up, I'd be like, find a good bookkeeper and hold them really, really close. They're God's gift to creatives. And then I think probably, you know, on a bigger commercial level, my biggest lesson, which I, I share in the book is um, when I changed the brand language within one season, because I let my ego and imposter syndrome get into a really deep conversation. And I thought that's, you know, that's what we have to do to be cool. And that's what we have to do to, you know, sit in a certain tier rather than being like, hey, this is who you are, be authentic in that and attract the right people rather than trying to be something you're not to attract someone that you don't need to attract anyway. So definitely, I know it's such an overused word in, in branding, but authenticity and remaining true to that and to your values is is so paramount in brand building. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about how you deal with or how copycats, I guess, people who have sort of, I guess, either ripped off your your authenticity, whether that's, you know, your verbiage, your, because I, I saw it so many times and I still do today, where they, you know, even to the designs of your jewelry, how did you deal with that? Because as you got bigger and bigger, I'm sure that was something that you were having to deal with all the time. Definitely. You know, our Bohemian Bardo ring, which was our signature kind of teardrop ring, was one of the most replicated items, I guess. So on a product level, you know, I look at it in two ways now and I used to rage about it. I was like, how's it? I get so upset about it. And then my business partner was like, hey, as long as people are ripping you off, that's when you know your brand health is still really good. So it's when people aren't copying you that, you know, you probably have a brand health issue at that level. So um, it took me a while to, to really be okay with that. Um, we then put in place, you know, I think on, on a product counterfeit level, it can be really expensive. A lot of young designers or, you know, young brands 
brands can't afford to copyright everything. So definitely keeping your due diligence around, you know, when the style was released and, you know, that kind of portfolio of work. And then um, if you are experiencing people that are trying to pass off as, as you or your work, sending a, a cease and desist letter, which is a legal letter that any lawyer can can send out, you still have to pay for that service, but it's not like having going through a whole copyright court case. So I, I, that would be my advice on product. And when it relates to story and, and verbiage, I'm like, I don't know, it, it's only going to get people so far if it's not their own. You know, I'm, I'm so adamant that if you find success on something that is inauthentic, if you find that gap in the window where you sneak through with something that is not yours or it's inauthentic, it, it's not sustainable because there is no roots or foundation to it. So um, it will either fall over really, really quickly or it will fall over in time because people in this day and age, they just, it's the bullshit meter is too you know, everyone's highly sensitive of it now. There's no room to hide with that. So I don't know, it doesn't phase me as much as it used to. I think the one thing you cannot replicate, your biggest brand currency is your story because no two stories are the same. And if you're telling it authentically, that is your your biggest currency. Yeah, no one can steal that away from you. That's your story, right? So when you announced that you were deciding to finish with Samantha Wills, the jewellery line that is not Obviously, now you have the Samantha Mills Foundation. But when you posted that, I cried. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. And if I cried as a consumer, like, how was that for you, making that huge decision to, you know, like, tick it off, like, at a high and just, like, you know, leave that beautiful legacy there? I want to know what was going through your head because I'm sure that was a long decision. (laughs) That's so sweet of you. Thank you. That really does mean a lot. You know, I, we announced in August 2018 that we're closing and we're going to do a six-month closure and we're closed on January 11th, 2019. And in probably in the two years lead up to that August announcement was an inner turmoil for me. It was, you know, I'd come out of a, a really rough relationship in 2015 and then I launched the Samantha Wills Foundation in 2016. So it was, it felt a bit like a personal rebirth for me, which then obviously translates into a professional one because they were so intrinsically linked for me. But I knew that around that 2016, and I probably designed 10 or 11,000 pieces of jewellery by this point. And when I launched the foundation, I just found this kind of new spark of interest. It was a curiosity that, you know, I was really enjoying the writing. I was enjoying sharing vulnerably about business. And, you know, we're doing 22 collections a year. of It was a commercial machine by that point. So when I really stopped to think about it, I was designing jewellery at that point with my hands and not my heart. And as a creative person, as you guys would know, like if, if that flicker starts to go out, it's a really scary place to reside because, um, you know, it's our lifeblood. It's what, you know, it, it literally is our heartbeat is that, is that creative flicker. So I noticed mine was starting to go out for the jewellery making and I was like, oh, you know, 11,000 pieces in. I was like, it's just a creative block. Like it'll pass, it'll pass. Six months in, another six months, a year and a half. I'm like, shit, like this is, this is not going anywhere. So in my mind, I thought, I thought my option was how do I get the creativity back? That was my only, that was my next step. How am I going to get this creative inspiration back? And because, you know, I've ever so modestly named the brand Samantha Wills. So I'm like, this is my lot in life. Like this is, and it's in growth. Like this is what I do. And so it kind of took me, so to answer your question, probably two years of just inner dis-ease of just being like, this just doesn't feel right. And it, it took me to standing at a physical crossroads. I did, I went to a meditation retreat in upstate New York to, to try and 
you know, get my shit back together and, and find my creative inspiration. And it was up there that I found myself staying at a physical crossroads on campus. And my business partner had sent me an email with the title, the business is at a crossroads and was essentially saying that, you know, whatever you want to do as a creative will support you, but we need your decision on, on how you want it kind of structured. Do you want to move back to Australia? Do you want to move your design team to New York? Like what, what is it that you want to do? And when that email came through and it said business at a crossroads, I looked up and I was standing at a physical crossroads and it was almost like this alignment of this feeling just found me. And I, I say it like it almost like landed on my shoulders and it was just like, it's time to close. And it just washed over me with just such a calmness. And I was like, it's time to close. Like I didn't even know in my repertoire that was an option. And I was like, it's time to close. And that's where I made the decision. Wow. Oh my goodness. Goosebumps. Every time I hear that story, I still get goosebumps about it. And I wanted to ask you what your thoughts are on, you know, naming your brand after yourself, because I mean, you could have sold it, I suppose, but that was your name. So I'm sure you didn't want somebody else taking that on and continuing it on. It would have totally changed the, I guess, the the whole thing behind SW. I don't know. I, I would do the same again today. I think it afforded so much along the journey of, for me, it was like, it was always about personal sharing and it was, it was a brand that was relative. It was, it was so many brands now try and personify a brand. And I think when you name it, your name, it's, it, you know, you're one step closer to that. Having said that, if you're, if you're starting out a business and your end goal is, is to sell it, obviously don't name it after yourself. If you're trying to scale it, to sell it, to move on to the next thing, but there's pros and cons to both. You know, I could, I could have sold my name, but I, my heart is just not made in the type of way that, you know, you used the word before legacy. It was about closing a 15 year chapter and honoring that legacy. Like to, to hand that over to someone else just would have felt like handing over your firstborn and it was just not something that I wanted to do I knew I wanted to keep the cement world's name as a brand um, and what that next iteration looked like I didn't know at that time but yeah there's pros and cons but yeah if you do want to sell it definitely go (laughs) a brand name route not your own (laughs) I loved um in your book and I think this is so important with women in business and I think this is our biggest challenge in business you talk obviously it's a book all about your brand and getting it off the ground or the highs and the lows of business but you do you're really open and honest with health in there and relationships in there and I think women are trying to balance it all in the 21st century because we we do we have so much opportunity opposed to the generation before us and we're trying to be mums we're trying to be wives and we're trying to be business owners and we're trying to be good friends did you feel like you had balance in business? Was there a point where you finally got balance or what advice would you give to women who believe there should be a balance or anything on that topic? I'd love to hear your input. I think balance is a really subjective word in this instance. And, you know, as one of the lines in the book where I'm like, whoever came up with the concept of work-life balance definitely was not a creative entrepreneur because like I was talking about at the start of the show, it's the traditional thought of balance is a nine to five job. And then you come home, you, you know, you do X, Y, and Z. I think there's that saying, you know, you can have it all, just not all at the same time, because I, there's just no way you can be a hundred percent good wife, mom, daughter, partner, whatever, whatever it is. So um, I think that's a really dangerous thing that we've been told, you know, you're the generation that can have it all. It's like, well, what, firstly, what does that mean? And it's different to, to every individual. So balance for me now, um, and it probably plays into, you know, if, if you were to ask me what success to me now looks like, it's for me now is going long stints without experiencing crippling anxiety. Whereas, you know, success <clears throat> balance to me 15 years ago had nothing to do with that thought process. So I think over time, what balance is to you will change and it should change. It, it 
you know, depending where you, what stage you're at in life. And I, I can't, I need to remember who said this because I'm, I'm quoting it a lot of late, but there's the concept of, you know, we're, we're juggling all these balls and we think that they're all glass, but the reality is a lot of it, most of them are rubber. There might be two or three that are glass and that's your personal health. And, you know, if you've got children um, or you, your immediate family are probably glass as well. And it's like, as long as you can keep those two up off the ground, the rest bounce and it's like it's you know we think it's so deadly important to get that email out today and to get that presentation done and to get this it's like the world the world keeps turning and you know it just becomes so insular I think when we're in the throes of that so um, I think balance is is different to everyone. I love it I think Shan actually did a really cool coaching call for our girls yesterday which is right on this topic because a lot of with social media, they women are comparing themselves to other women. And even I, sometimes I compare myself to when I started business five years ago. And it is all about seasons. Like I could easily pull off a 14 hour day five years ago and it wouldn't have burnt me out. Like people have this thing around hustle. Like I don't want to hustle, but five years ago, the season of life I was in, hustle felt good. Like I was inspired. I was driven. Like you're saying, it's the lifeblood. Actually, I needed it to feel fired up and passionate. That doesn't feel good for the season of life I am in right now. And like you said, I think if people... It's that intuition and not buying into what other society says it should look like. If you just honor what feels good to you, whether you're in a chapter of life where you can go all in with business, you can do late night, early mornings, or maybe there's a season where, yeah, you've got young kids and that's just not your priority right now. I think stop beating yourself up and comparing yourself. And the more we have beautiful women like yourself on the show who are willing to share what that journey looks like, you realize that, yeah, there is seasons where you do have to go all in and you do have sacrifice, but it's just, it's strategic and balanced and it's not forever. Yeah, and it goes back to the thing about, you know, the Olympic swimming thing. It's, it's like if it's good for you and good for your soul, and then you you have to be the adult in that instance where it's like, okay, now it's time for a break. Now your body needs rest. Now your body is telling you that it needs, you know, whatever it needs. So I think that's that's the only framework we should be working against. So for, for and, and it's different for everyone, and I think it's so important to realise that. Mm, it has to be fluid. It has to be fluid because, yeah, that's the one thing I've definitely learned in business. I always thought my calendar had to be structured and I had to have this perfect balance between achievement and non-achievement. And I think as I've grown in my business journey and realized, wait a minute, this is fluid and it literally changes day by day. (laughs) It doesn't have to be perfect every day. You just, you'd learn to just love the journey. And what's next for you now? What's got you inspired now? Well, so the book, um, we've just come off a book tour, which was so lovely. We didn't think we'd be able to tour in person, but we did. So that was good. So Of Golden Dust has been my my little baby. And I hope that, you know, she's – and even though they're my stories on the pages, I think once you hit publish and, you know, send that off to, to your editor, they become our stories. Whoever has seen themselves on those pages, they're now our stories. So I hope that, you know, she has a life greater than the page, whether that gets adapted somehow or, or something. So I'm kind of following her lead at the moment. Um, and then the Samantha Wills Foundation um, is definitely shifting into a more educational platform. So if the book is kind of the storytelling element, the, the foundation is going to be the tangible handing over of, hey, here's our marketing calendar. Here's, you know, here's the structure of a P&L. Here's this, that and the other. So we're about to release a masterclass, which um, is opening on August 1. Um, and that will be our first round intake. And just like a handing over of kind of two decades of, of, of mind dump, of mind <laughs> to hand over. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I've been loving what you're doing with the Samantha Wills Foundation. It's really cool to see you evolve into into who you are now and what your business is now it's when you look back 
I'm sure when you reflect, you just think, oh my gosh, that was so on purpose. And that so had to happen like that. And that was definitely meant to be so serendipitous when you look at the journey and, and look at what you're creating now. So just, yeah, massive, massive thank you to you and just a big applaud to you and what you've created, Sam. It's beautiful. Thank you guys so much. Now it feels um, it feels really aligned with, with what I want to do and, you know, to have the two decades, which, again, makes me sound like I'm a thousand years old, but kind of handing that over. And, you know, I think in, in Australia, I've spent the last decade in New York and just what I've learned over there is the openness of networking. And it's just like there is no one's like, oh, no, I'm not going to tell you that or I'm not going to. And I'm like, that's what I want to bring back to to this community and just be like, hey, it's not like if my bit of the pie is bigger, yours is smaller. It's like if we're all in it, doing it together and sharing what we know, imagine how much that just lifts women all around us up. So that's really what I'm focused on at the moment. Love that. We'll make sure we pop all that stuff in the show notes too so our community can go and soak up your wisdom and follow your journey as you continue to evolve. What would be your last piece of advice that you'd love to leave our leaders, our listeners with who um, are either in the first couple of years of business or have maybe had a thought about business and they want to start one but they can't keep getting in their own way and they're not taking those first inspired steps? What would you have to say to them? Oh, I would say, um, you know, if something's whispering to you, it's it's not going to go away. I think it's, it's almost like a haunting. If you don't pick it up, it's going to haunt you for the rest of your life. So, um, you know, following, I call it cultivating, like you get an idea and you're like, all right, what can I tinker around with here and, and you know, see what grows from that. And I think the, the other thing would be like, as simple as it is, is go back to your intuition and go back to, you know, we're, we're intuitive beings by nature. It's not, you know, every, everyone has that talent and going back to how your body speaks to you, um, you know, she gives you goosebumps for a reason. She tells you when she's cold. She tells you when she's hungry. So trying to really cultivate what that language is as it relates to, to business um, and, and trusting that. And I don't say that easily. It's definitely a life's work. But I think once we go in and harness that um, communication, it's, it's a language. If we can understand our own intuitive communication fluently, it just is such a less anxiety-ridden ride in my experience. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much for sharing your love and light with us. We are so excited to have you on the show and we know our listeners will absolutely love hearing from you as well. And thank you guys for the platform you provide. It's so needed and these conversations are, are so important. So thank you guys. Hey guys, Loz here. What an amazing episode. I hope you're feeling inspired after that conversation and it's empowered you to make some amazing changes and choices in your life. Don't forget to let us know if you loved this episode by giving us a five-star review. It really helps us know we're on track and serving you guys and also majorly supports our channel. And you may even be in the running to be the shout out of the week. Every week on our Instagram, we share one of our reviews with our network. So be sure to leave your Instagram handle or website in your review so we can share it with our amazing community. I have been so excited to share with you guys my book, Life Above Zero. It's a book based in psychology and science, specifically written for women who feel empowered yet unfulfilled and are seeking help to find their clarity and happiness. Women just like you who want to be empowered with the tools to master their mindset, to overcome self-sabotage and create a life, business or career they love in alignment with their values and inner truth. I wanted to save you tens of thousands of dollars, years of your time, energy, and heartbreak. 
studying psychology, getting a degree, attending personal development weekends and seminars, and hours scrolling online looking for the right person to help. So here it is. I have condensed everything I've learned personally and professionally from working with people, their psychology and their mindset over the last decade and have put it into a beautiful book you can enjoy and make your way through at your own pace. I share personal stories throughout so you can find comfort in knowing you're not broken, crazy or alone in what you're going through. I cry and laugh with you and you know you can always rely on me for that tough lozzy love in there too. If you're not a big reader and would rather have me read it to you on your morning walk or the daily commute to work or whilst you're sipping on that wine making dinner, then don't worry, you can also get my book on Audible. If you click on the link in the show notes, you'll be able to grab yourself a copy. And if you head over to my website, www.lifeabovezero.com.au and sign up to my newsletter, you can even have the first chapter sent to you for free while you wait for your copy to arrive in the mail. Make sure you tag me in yours when it arrives. I love seeing it in your hands and hearing what you guys are taking from it. Don't forget to head over to the show notes for you to check out any links, books or references we mentioned in this episode and our cheat sheets. Before we go, we just wanted to say a big thank you for being here, for committing to being the best version of you and for showing up for you today. You are freaking amazing. Now, if you think there is someone in your life that could really benefit from this episode, while you're feeling super inspired, please hit the share button and send them this episode. Share it with them right now. The reason we're asking you to share the love is because you get what you give. And the more you give and inspire, the more you get in return. Head over to www.babestalkingbusiness.com to check out all our other podcasts. Sending you guys so much love and we'll see you soon.